I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together we can prepare to live outside the walls. Glad to have you here today. It is a, uh, it's a, a maybe a quieter day. It's Holy Saturday, and you know it may just seem like any other Saturday, but it's different. Why is it different? Well, this is the day that our Lord Jesus Christ lay in the tomb. His earthly body uh, passed away, and he found himself, according to the creed, descended into hell. Lots of different theological theories about why that happened. Uh, you know, you, depending on your tradition, some people think that it was to pay for our punishment, but uh, those people aren't really thinking with the mind of the church. The mind of the church says that he's gone to defeat death and to ransom Adam and Eve. I love that the icons uh, in the Orthodox Church, in the Eastern Church, uh, the, the Eastern Catholic Churches, uh, the picture of the resurrection is Jesus standing in an aura of light over two doors with broken chains, the doors, the gates of hell. And with one hand, he's pulling Eve out of her tomb. And with the other hand, he's pulling Adam out of his tomb. He's ransomed our first parents, defeated death, broken the gates and the chains. What just an incredible picture. But today, this Holy Saturday, is uh, a quiet day. I, I think of the, the first apostles. Uh, there they are sitting around uh, numb in the upper room. What are we going to do now, they say. They had their plans, they had their thoughts and their understanding, and they had this way that life was supposed to work out. And they were going to follow Jesus, and Jesus was going to restore the kingdom of Israel. They understood this. He was the Messiah. That's what the Messiah was supposed to do. He was going to to free Israel from their captors. And so here they are. They're looking and they're waiting for Jesus to overthrow Rome. And here's a perfect opportunity because now he's arrested by Rome. Now he's going to do it. And every time that Jesus has been in danger, every time that someone has plotted against his life, He's supernaturally been able to get away. He's supernaturally been rescued. And so surely they wait at every moment at his arrest. Surely, surely he's going to get out of this like he got out when the people wanted to stone him and he passed through their midst. Surely. Or, or surely he's going to say something and, and, uh, and by the grace of God and God's mercy, Pilate is going to release Jesus. Surely. And that didn't happen. And so surely, surely, every moment they're expecting that God is going to do something so miraculous that uh, it will set all things right. And then the Friday hits. Jesus is crucified. They see him die. He is laid in the tomb. And Saturday, what an emptiness there is. They've spent three years with this man, going wherever he went, seeing him not only preach and say such profound things that they never heard, but they see him heal people. A blind man, born blind, blind from birth, was given sight. Uh, a, a woman uh, who, who had uh, 
issue of blood for 12 years was healed at the touch of the hem of his garment. Surely this is the Christ. Surely this is the one, and God will do all things to protect him, and now he's dead. Now he has died in the flesh, and he, he's no longer in their midst. Their whole life was pinned, their whole future was pinned onto what they understood about Jesus. They were going with Jesus wherever he went, and now he died. So what are we supposed to do with that? Now, we have the benefit of hindsight here on this side of history. We're, we live on this side of the resurrection. We, we have decades and eons and centuries and of, of Jesus having been raised from the dead. We have uh, this knowledge of history that gives us the other side of it. And, and yet, you and I have our hopes pinned to what we understand of Jesus. We have our lives planned out in a certain way. And we're walking along in the best of our understanding as how that's going to work out. But life happens. We don't see the, the Lord of all creation, the one that we believe is going to free us from political oppression. We don't see him die and, and have the, the wind sucked out of our sails. Other things suck the wind out of our sails, right? Uh, the loss of a job or of a child. Uh, the loss of a friendship it doesn't have to even be a huge thing, uh, a, a fight, a blow up, uh, anything along these lines. All of a sudden, everything that we knew is thrown into chaos. And how do we live with the chaos? How do we live in this Holy Saturday moment where everything we knew is turned upside down and we're left, we think, without hope? Well, that's what Holy Saturday has to teach us. Even though you and I know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and tomorrow we're going to have Easter Sunday and we're going to go hunt for hard-boiled eggs and eat ham and whatever else, because, you know, it's Jesus died and so we're not bound by law anymore. That's why in my family we had ham growing up on, on Easter. <laughs> but even though we know that Easter is tomorrow, we should live today in this Holy Saturday moment. We should sit with the uncertainty and meditate on what the disciples must have felt because we have these moments too, these moments where everything is thrown into chaos. And we have to know that just as Jesus overcame sin and death and rose from the dead and ransomed our first parents, Adam and Eve, he will do the same for us. He will conquer those things that threaten us, and he will bring us into a place of overwhelming peace. Peace is the key. That doesn't mean that everything is going to get solved like we want it to get solved, right? Jesus rose from the dead. He overcame sin and death, and they were still subject to Rome. Do you see this? He didn't take that part away he answered another question. They were still in, uh, in persecution. They were still, in fact, the Christian community was in greater persecution after the resurrection than they were before. Those, those uh, oppressions 
don't necessarily get taken away, but we are given the strength to live within them. We're given a rest, even though externally things don't cease, things don't rest. Today, normally we do our readings from from Scripture and from church history. I'm going to do that reading from church history at the end because I really, really want to get to it. We did it last year as well. We did the same reading. And most years, I'm just going to kind of skip along and uh, we'll we'll do a different reading. It's like I'll come along, oh, we did that last year, I'm not going to do it. This one I'm going to do every year because it's such a beautiful and profound reading about Holy Saturday, about that moment that Jesus descended into hell and what its purpose was. I love it. I love every part of it. So we'll get to that in the last segment. Uh, In the next couple of segments after this one, we're going to talk with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio of the Crossroads Initiative. He's an author. Uh, He is uh, a speaker. He does pilgrimages. He, He just, he's an Italian, right? All of these important things. Uh, And so we're going to talk with him about the Triduum, that three-day that we're at the end of, that three-day Mass of Monday, Thursday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Holy Saturday, uh, and talk to him about a couple of other things he's doing. Uh, normally, we do these readings right up front, but today, today the only readings we have, uh, you know, normally, sometimes I, I have, oh, we've got the extra reading because it's a solemnity. Well, today is not just a solemnity. They're like, 25 readings, not quite, but but close. It feels that way. It just goes on and on and on. And and there's a purpose to it. And it's great at the Easter Vigil, but we're not going to do it on the show. <laughs> Instead, uh, we're going to go over to the breviary. And in the breviary, where we get our, our reading from church history, uh, where we get other prayers, beautiful, beautiful prayers, uh, they also have a reading, a single reading and it's going to apply to us today here on this on this holy saturday. This reading comes from the book of Hebrews uh, chapter 4. And it's talking about uh, entering the Lord's rest that, that we were just now talking about. While the promise of entrance into his rest still holds, we ought to be fearful of disobeying lest any one of you be judged to have lost his chance of entering. We have indeed heard the good news as they did, but the word which they heard did not profit them, for they did not receive it in faith. It is we who have believed who enter into that rest, just as God said, Then I swore in my anger they shall never enter into my rest. Yet God's work was finished when he created the world. For in reference to the seventh day, Scripture somewhere says, And God rested from all his work on the seventh day. And again, in the place we have referred to, God says, they shall never enter into my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter, and those to whom it was first announced did not enter because of unbelief, God once more set a day, today, when long afterward he spoke through David the words we have quoted, today, if you should hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Now, if Joshua had led them into the place of rest, God would not have spoken afterward of another day. Therefore, a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. And he who enters into God's rest rests from his own work as God did from his. Let us strive to enter into that rest 
so that no one may fall in imitation of the example of Israel's unbelief. Indeed, God's word is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates and divides the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the reflections and thoughts of the heart. Nothing is concealed from him. All lies bare and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must render an account. That reading comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, and it's given to us today in the breviary specifically as we are sitting here in the midst of Holy Saturday. Let's strive, you and I, today, to enter into that Sabbath rest. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. How do we hear his voice today? Uh, Well, that was the topic of last week's show. How do we hear the voice of God? A couple of those ways. One is through stillness, through quieting ourselves and listening. We don't like quiet. We don't like silence. That's what today is all about, is a day of silence. Uh, To quiet ourselves and to see and hear the voice of peace that will speak to us there in the silence. And another is the Word of God. The Word of God is living and effective sharper than any two-edged sword. We, we can't hide from Scripture. We, we can justify our actions sometimes, but Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, will convict us when we need to straighten up and fly right. It'll give us hope when we are discouraged. St. Jerome said that ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. So spend some time today reading the Word of God. When we come back, we're going to talk with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio of the Crossroads Initiative about this liturgical flow that we get in Holy Week. Oh, join us over on Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, thanks for sticking around. We got a great show for you today. We're here in really right in the thick of it, right in the midst of uh, Holy Week here on Holy Saturday. And our, we're talking today with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio of the Crossroads Initiative. He's an author, uh, a speaker, a, a, a traveler. He leads pilgrimages. Uh, a father, and most importantly, an Italian. Uh, Dr. Italy, thanks for being on the show today. Hey, Timothy. It's great to be with you. Now, you were one of our very first guests on the show back at our inception uh, at the beginning of last Lent. And so here now we have you uh, at the uh, at the capstone of that Lenten season. Uh, thanks so much for being on here. Well, it's a pleasure. I didn't know I was one of your first guests, so uh, I'm honored indeed. So now... Here we are. We're, we've we've gone through this whole preparation season of Lent, uh, and we we fasted so that we could find out what we're really hungry for, and we we gave alms so we could find out what we really valued, and we've prayed so that we can see things as they really are, and then we come to this jarring uh, Holy Week that that everything not only was different for those first disciples, but it's different for us in the way that we do our liturgy and, and everything else. And, and you have such a, a good grasp on not only the, the history of the church and church fathers. You've written several books about that. One of the best ones out there, uh, When the Church Was Young, 
Um, and then, but you also have a connection to the place because you lead pilgrimages to the Holy Land on a regular basis. Talk to us a little bit about where this triduum, this this Holy Week uh, liturgy kind of sprung up from and what its place is for us today. Sure. It's, it's awesome that, that really, as Catholics, we celebrate liturgy that springs really from the Jewish liturgy, quite frankly. I mean, the whole event of the Triduum surrounds Passover, uh, the last Passover of the Lord's life. And, um, and so we start with, really, the Triduum starts Holy Thursday evening, mm-hmm. uh, not the morning of Holy Thursday. For Jews, the, the day starts with sundown. So we start on Holy Thursday evening, and we commemorate, the, really, that, that last meal, which in, in the Synoptic Gospels is clearly the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. And in John's Gospel, although we don't have the institution of the Eucharist account, we have a, a parallel. We have we have a magnificent uh, uh, example of what service is about. You know, the, the, the priesthood is instituted because the Lord uh, says, do this in memory of me, when he takes the bread and he interrupts the Jewish Passover meal. And instead of doing a normal blessing, he says, this is my body. Right. Um, the, the Passover service is an amazing and magnificent commemoration of God's redeeming work, his deliverance from of the people from slavery. And this is the fulfillment of all that. This That only prefigured this definitive deliverance that's going to happen from slavery to sin and Satan. And so the Lord changes the meaning of the, of the meal, um, and that meal becomes our Eucharist. And, and the first communicates become the apostles who are, you know, the, the ones who carry on the priesthood of Christ, right. which is pretty amazing. And, and that priesthood from the very beginning is shown to be one of service and not one of lording it over through the washing of the feet in John's gospel. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and, and the early church commemorates this and, and then uh, continues in, into Good Friday as we, we think about the Lord's passion. Uh, one thing I'll just say is I love Holy Thursday and I love adoration after the Holy Thursday mm-hmm. Mass, and you know I, I think that's an awesome, an awesome thing to spend an hour with the Lord, um, because of course the apostles laden with wine uh, and food, <laughs> and um, you know after 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 the you know and and the sorrow of the Lord being sorrowful, not not quite getting what's what's happening, but um, you know falling asleep on Him in His hour of need, for us to spend time in vigilance that night is awesome and. I just have to say that it's awesome being in Gethsemane, and uh, when, on our Holy Land trips, we, we, we visit during the day, but we come back at night, we get special permission from the Franciscans to come to the garden in the dark and to go into the church that's built over the rock where the Lord agonized, and we have Eucharistic Adoration for an hour uh, there in the garden, watching an hour with the Lord. It's pretty amazing. Wow. You know, th- this, uh, this whole season, I think that uh, there's something you know, more profound than, than we can get the rest of the year. And perhaps it's uh, dependent on a good, uh, having a good Lent beforehand. But, but I really think that if we engage ourselves and, and, you know, go to that service, that's not the Sunday mass, right? Oh, it's extra time. Yes, it is extra time. Come on, let's go. And when, when you sit there and you're in the midst of this uh, really kind of frenetic week as it was for the apostles. We're going to mass every day. We're going to mass every night. And it's not those, you know, daily masses. It's the long ones. <laughs> and and the, the sense of how the triduum flows together. Uh, and triduum, of course, is the Latin meaning three days. And it's a three-day long mass. 
you know, there's this sense of, of continuity and of participation with what the apostles must have been going through. Of One, the uncertainty, as you mentioned, why is, why is the Lord sad? Uh, but then Friday, as we get to that Friday, and it's the only day of the year where we don't have a Mass said. And so we feel that absence with the disciples. Uh, go ahead, Dr. Italy, go ahead and c- continue on that, uh, that narrative. I'm sorry for that interruption. Oh, no, that's okay. I'll just say that, you know, the, the Holy, um, the Good Friday liturgy in the, in the Church, that, you know, we have oftentimes Stations of the Cross, which is awesome, but that's actually devotion. The right. liturgy itself, you know, the veneration of the Cross, um, the reading of the Passion, the intercessions where we oftentimes, uh, if we follow the, the, the rules, we're standing and kneeling, and then standing and kneeling, you know, um, th- that liturgy is incredibly ancient, you know, um, the, the form of the liturgy. People kind of remark about the standing and the kneeling during the Eucharistic prayer. But this really goes back to the very earliest days of the Church, the way in which this liturgy is carried out. And um, it's a powerful, it's a powerful thing, the unveiling of the cross and, you know, the, the processing in with the cross, behold the wood of the cross. It's pretty, it's, it's a pretty profound and moving experience. And, and again, you know, it's, it's Holy Thursday, Good Friday aren't Holy Days of Obligation. But, you know, they're just, these liturgies are so awesome, entering into, as you said, this continuous movement of the joy of the institution of, of the Eucharist through the sorrow of the garden and the desolation of, of Good Friday and, you know, the, the violence that we remember that the Lord took in love and refused uh, to, be, to be deterred by, you know. Um, and then into the stillness of Saturday, um, there's a beautiful reading from the early church in the second century about Holy Saturday that's uh, in the breviary or the, the Liturgy of the Hours yeah. it's on my website. We'll, we'll also, actually be reading um, that later this, uh, in this episode. Yeah, and the whole world is, is still, and that's kind of what the reading says, yeah. awaiting, because, because the king is asleep. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a profound, you know, we're entering into the Lord's drama, the drama of his Passover, you know, and that's what um, Elijah and Moses were talking to him about up on the, the Mount of Transfiguration. Hmm. But um, as we enter into this movement, you know, we're rewarded so powerfully if we, if we enter into the, 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 the desolation and sadness of, of uh, his crucifixion and, and death. We're, we're rewarded at the Easter Vigil or on Easter Sunday, whenever we, we go to Mass, with, with a tremendous um, joy, um, a tremendous exuberance, and, um, and, and rebirth. You know, I mean, the whole, the whole experience is meant, it, it, we celebrate the rebirth of new Christians, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord, but all of us, you know, who've, who've walked this walk um, receive new life, and that's, that's really uh, an amazing blessing. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio today, uh, and Dr. Italy. You know, I'm. I look at this movement and a couple of things you mentioned. It's a very ancient liturgy, and you know, I think that that's played out by the fact that all the ancient churches have this same thing. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't have similar between the Orthodox Church and the, the Catholic Church, but we both have this liturgical. Uh, the Great Lent and the the, the this three day really laser focus on the passion of Christ. Uh, and I think that that speaks to, to its authenticity and to its uh, ancient origins. And one of the things I love about this triduum is that we get played out in front of us, uh, the mercy of God, right? So we, we see that God has left us 
not as orphans, but he leaves us not only with his spirit, but with a church, with pastors, uh, with those who are caring for our soul. Uh, and then on, on Friday, we experience th- this retelling in the liturgy of uh, the full passion. And we hear retold, like, like when our parents uh, point out some important place in their life. Oh, that right there is where we got engaged, right? You know, every time you go by it, yes, mom and dad, I got it, right? There's this oral retelling of that most important moment in its entirety. And then we get to uh, the vigil. And at the vigil, we're retelling the story again, but not the story of the passion, now we get the whole story of salvation history. We start uh, in the garden and we go all the way through. And as soon as we're done with our, what, uh, seven readings and seven Psalms, and I mean, man, we do it right on Easter Vigil. Uh, Then we get to the visible retelling where we see that those who are uh, brought into the church, who are confirmed, uh, those who are baptized, and those who we've been there every year who receive the Eucharist. We go through again every year, all three sacraments of initiation. And there's this kind of oral tradition of, yeah, I know you've heard it before, but we're going to tell the story again. It's that important. Here we go. Let's tell it again. It is. It's an amazing thing. And I, I love to go to the vigil, even if uh, I'm, I'm going the next day. Um, for uh, to to another mass on on Easter Sunday, I, I just love to go to the Easter Vigil. To me, you know that that really completes the whole experience of Lent and Holy Week um, because of of the magnificent readings. And like as you said, it, the early Church was totally invested in the catechumens coming into the Church and also penitents being reconciled. You know, it's one of the things in the early Church. Um, penance was was different than it is now for the mm-hmm. first eight hundred years. The way in which it was it was carried out the sacrament, but those who had been away from the, the Lord's table coming back to the church would receive absolution on Holy Thursday and receive communion with the catechumens. Um, so it was a tremendous time of joy, and the whole community was praying and fasting and laboring with these people. And that's really the origin of the forty days of Lent. It's mm-hmm. a fast with the catechumens and the penitents. That's where the ashes come from, the order of penitence, you know. Um, so everyone's invested. A lot of times nowadays, we, if we don't have someone we know really well, we're not thinking about the catechumens in the, in the candidates, right. but we all should be. And, um, and you know, so in the early church, it was a great celebration of joy and of new birth, the birth of the Holy Mother Church out of her womb on Easter Vigil, the baptismal font comes new children, you know, and yeah. so um, that, it's a great re- time of rejoicing, not only for the resurrection of Christ, but him risen in the lives of these new people who've put their old selves to death and, and now are risen in him. Wow. What a beautiful picture. Uh, find a place tonight and participate in that um, amazing moment in someone's life. Uh, I went through it as a, as a Catholic convert. Uh, And even if you don't know the person, you can be a sharer in their joy. Well, join this conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. I want to know what you think. Uh, Tell me where you're going and maybe what your favorite part of previous Triduums. uh, Tridui? Uh, We'll find out. Oh, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We're talking today on this Holy Saturday with Dr. Mark Salino D'Ambrosio from the Crossroads Initiative, author, speaker, uh, pilgrimage director, traveler, uh, Italian. And uh, glad to have you here today, Dr. Italy. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure, Timothy. So we're, we're talking about this, this Holy Week, and you've brought us through the whole of Triduum. And so for those of you who have not made it to any of the other services, I encourage you, find the, the closest Mass to you. Uh, maybe, maybe you're listening, you're not even Catholic. You know what? Go anyway, because we have this common story by virtue of our baptism. Uh, find the closest Catholic Church and go attend this this service. It's going to start right around sundown, probably, but you can probably find out the the specifics on your on the website for that church, and go and visit and hear the story again of the redemption of mankind through the cross of Jesus Christ. So, uh, let's talk a little bit now, uh, Doctor Italy, about your website, Crossroads Initiative. Uh, first thing I want to know, because anytime someone comes up with a name. There's a reason behind the name. So tell me a little bit about why why it's Crossroads Initiative. What is the, the purpose of the initiative? Where does the name spring from? Sure. Well, the first thing I'm just going to say is that any good symbol has more than one meaning. Right. So <laughs> I'll kind of bring you through four different meanings of, of Crossroads. Um, the Crossroads Initiative is really about going out to the uh, taking the initiative to go out and meet people where they are. And then just waiting people, waiting for people to come to us, to the church. We need to go out and meet them where they are. That's part mm-hmm. of what we hear in the new evangelization and part of what Pope Francis tells us in Evangelii Gaudium. So although we founded, we were founded back in 1981, um, and Pope Francis's uh, apostolic exhortation just came out a couple, a couple of years ago, <laughs> right. nonetheless, he, he actually uses Crossroads and Initiative uh, in the same paragraph, uh, talking about this need. So that's one meaning of it. The, the, another is is really the crossroads is a place of decision. You got multiple ways to go, and uh, quite frankly, life is a series of crossroads. Mm-hmm. We want people to take uh, the path that lead that that is the, that is a path straight to the Lord, uh, and to holiness, and to fruitfulness. Uh, we're always confronted with opportunities to sit back uh, and do nothing or to take an easy way. Um, and instead, you know, Crossroads is meant to provoke people to, to make that decision, to go further, to go further down the road with the Lord. Um, I'll also say that Crossroads is a place where people stop and rest and get nourishment as, as uh, they make their way on, on their journey. And so Crossroads Initiative website is a place of rest and refreshment with a lot of uh, a lot of resources, uh, spiritual food, um, and and really direction, so you can kind of get your bearings and, and continue on the journey. And the last thing I'll say is that Crossroads um, is really the intersection our our ministry of ancient and modern, ancient wisdom and contemporary culture. And so we try to express the the full and rich and deep tradition of the church in contemporary language in a way that's relevant and easy to apply to everyday life. You know, I've been going to the website for, for some time uh, because you have the Father's Library there where you can go and, and read these uh, brief passages from the Church Fathers, uh, sometimes straight out of the breviary, so it's a nice, good length, uh, but searchable, which the breviary isn't. <laughs> 
And, and so I've been going there for some time. And lately, uh, I went probably oh about a month ago. And lo and behold, uh, I'm thinking I'm in the wrong place because there's this brand new, beautiful, slick website that's put together that's even easier to use uh, than previous. So uh, you can get there if you if you're really uh, a smart person and know how to spell well. You can you can go to Crossroads Initiative. Is that dot com or dot org? dot com crossroads initiative dot com or if you're if you're a, a luddite like myself you just type in doctor italy because it's easier to spell and remember uh, doctor italy dot com so how did this uh, this new thing come about and now there's not only is it cleaner and easier to find things but it's actually more features and more to get out of it yeah, we well for for years we've known you know the, our original website was founded in 2003 in the dot com era, and uh, it has obvious limitations now. Mm-hmm. We, we've learned a lot. Uh, we're used to graphically a m- more beautiful and cleaner looking sites, but um, it, we're also used to a lot more functionality, and and we're also dealing with a world uh, where style. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that uh, everything in the church ought to be. Uh, made available and, and appealing to a younger audience because that's the, the toughest audience to reach millennials and any, even, you know, um, gen, uh, generation X, which are thirties, people in their thirties and forties, they're not necessarily drawn to the same kind of graphics and look that people are who are my age, baby boomers, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got a bunch of millennials as part of the team and, and we, we've been working for, for years really con- conceiving of and planning a site that would be state-of-the-art in functionality, but beautiful. Uh, the the Catholic uh, tradition is very deep and rich in imagery, and that ought to show up in, in the pages of a Catholic website. Um, our, we, we serve the creator, so we ought mm-hmm. to be creative. Right. So we want this site to be creative. <laughs> so anyway, we, we, worked on, we had a team, an international team of millennials from Canada, um, both west and east in Canada. Um, we had some people working on the site from El Salvador. We had people from wow. um, from Europe. I mean, we had a lot of people. It's a big project, and uh, we're still actually in the process of finishing up some things in terms of graphics and categorization. But the library, I really encourage people to go and visit the library because things are categorized by author, by period, uh, by topic, by the liturgical year. Mm-hmm. You know, it, people can go in there and look for uh, the first, the second Sunday. You know, Divine Mercy Sunday, cycle C and find resources particularly that fit with those readings, you know, so. Wonderful. Um, yeah. Great. We're talking with Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio of the Crossroads Initiative, talking about Triduum and about that website. Uh, but it's so much more than that. You are an author, you're a speaker, uh, and so people can engage with you through your books, through coming to f- find a place where you're speaking, or even getting a CD or a DVD of one of your talks. Uh, but most importantly, uh, you like to travel, and I think that's a little bit of that European Italian coming out. Uh, like to be, to to go and see the world, but you're not content to do that by yourself. You like to take people with you. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about one of your upcoming pilgrimages, specifically one to the Holy Land, since we're here talking about this uh, this Triduum and and this movement of Christ in the Holy Land at that time. Sure. Well, guess what? I'm leaving in just a few days on okay. Tuesday after Easter. Yeah, a bunch of people from Grapevine, Texas, from Oklahoma City, and, and, and people from actually different places around the country will be coming. About 53 of us 
will be heading over to Jerusalem. And it's awesome to be there during the season of, of resurrection. You know, we'll, we'll be there during the Easter octave. We'll be in Jerusalem, actually in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the place of the resurrection of, of our Lord, having uh, Mass celebrating Divine Mercy Sunday in the Year of Mercy, which is pretty awesome. Um, and uh, I, I think in Jerusalem and Bethlehem, we're remembering the birth of the Lord, His suffering, His death. Then we go up to Galilee. And we sail the Sea of Galilee. We, we have Mass outdoors on top of the Mount of Beatitudes overlooking the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's a pretty amazing thing to go up and remember and walk uh, in the footsteps of the Lord, trudging around Galilee, where he spent most of his, his time in ministry. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's, pretty, it's a pretty um, amazing and life-changing experience to go on a pilgrimage like this. I, my first one was such a, a mind-blower for me, you know, it, even though I had a doctorate you know, in scripture and, and theology, so many new insights came, so many connections right. um, were, were, were made in my mind that I hadn't been there before. So I, I just uh, love to bring people back there. And, you know, this trip is a little late for people to jump on board, but we're going again right <laughs> after Christmas, which is my uh, other favorite time to go. Yeah. And people can actually sign up for that on the website. Uh, we leave the 27th of December. And we get back January 6th. It's usually a pretty convenient time when not much is happening here in the States, you know, in terms of vacations and all. So people can often slip away at that point. So we would love to have uh, your listeners come and join us on that on that pilgrimage. You know, I look at a a pilgrimage and and I, I know others do as well and say, you know, I could never afford that kind of travel and, you know, it's just, why would I want to take that kind of a vacation when I could do something closer to home? Talk about the difference between a pilgrimage and just travel. There's something specific yeah, to a pilgrimage. Definitely. I would just say this. A pilgrimage is so important that it's been part of life with, of the people of God from the beginning. And there, you know, Abraham, the very first thing he's called to pick up and leave, <laughs> you know, leave civilization, mm-hmm. go out to the desert to a place I'll show you. Right. Um, the Israelites went on pilgrimage early into, into, uh, into Egypt, and then the Lord calls them out to, to worship him on the holy mountain. And that's why they tell Pharaoh they're supposed to leave. And that's, this is not a trick. This is the real reason for them to go and leave Egypt is to encounter God. And that's really the point coming to where God is, where Moses first encountered the Lord and heard his name. They mm-hmm. go back there, and now that name is going to be impressed upon them, They're going to be branded on them through the law. It's pretty amazing. And then they're called to, to go to the promised land. And, you know, as part of a Jew's life, once they get settled in the promised land, God doesn't want them to get uh, just bound up with a comfort, creature comforts. He commands them to come to Jerusalem which is no easy thing. Come to right. Jerusalem three times a year to worship him. In other words, to come on pilgrimage. So p- pilgrimage is, is, is a three-time-a-year thing for the Israelites. When Christians first began to be able to travel freely and, and honor the Lord, uh, when Constantine becomes emperor and Christianity is legalized, the very first thing he does is build pilgrimage um, chapels, which are really basilicas uh, over St. Peter's tomb, over mm-hmm. St. Paul's tomb in Rome, and we, we still go there today over the tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem, over his birth cave in Bethlehem. So early Christians understood the power and the value of pilgrimage, and it's so powerful and valuable that, you know, the Holy Year, the great indulgence, uh, you have to go somewhere, really, to gain that special indulgence and walk through the holy doors. And I think, you know, the Christian life is about getting up off your butt and pursuing God, and that's Mm -hmm. what pilgrimage is all about. And when you do that, you're rewarded because he reveals himself in a new and deeper and richer way. 
Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's worth the cost that you would have to put into it. Maybe spend some time, start saving towards it, have, have that jar that you put your extra change in uh, and be saving toward uh, a pilgrimage. Now, you can do a pilgrimage locally, by all means, go to, go to a local shrine in your diocese, but also prepare for that big one uh, where you go and visit the Holy Land or you go and visit Rome. It's worth it. It's worth it. I think I'm going to start my jar this week. Well, join us over on facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle is at outside the walls. I always want you as a part of this conversation. Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio, thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. God bless you and happy Easter to everyone. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Oh, Holy Saturday. Tomorrow is Easter. Tomorrow is joy. Tomorrow uh, we, we experience all the heights and the fullness of the joy of Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and all the implications that that has for us. Now, tonight we have Easter Vigil. We, we have a very long service. It's going to be about two hours probably because we're going to tell the whole of salvation history. God created man, man fell, God pursued man to the point of coming himself and offering himself as a sacrifice to save us from our sins. So I encourage you, go to a, uh, an Easter vigil tonight. See uh, all three sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, and Eucharist, given to, uh, to someone who is beginning their journey. Celebrate that joy with them. Now... Here we are in, in the silence of Holy Saturday. This day is different than every other day of the whole year. Uh, and so there's a reading in the breviary about this day. <clears throat> and there's not really much about this day uh, in terms of writing about, uh, you know, the, 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 the significance. But this reading, back from, the, I think, the 2nd century, it's an ancient homily, uh, th- this reading is really a narrative uh, of what went on behind the scenes on this Holy Saturday. I I read it last year. I'll read it every year because it's just such a a fascinating peek into the the, the depths of the extent that God went to to bring us salvation. So this, this reading is an ancient homily for Holy Saturday. Something strange is happening. There is a great silence on earth today, a great silence and stillness. The whole earth keeps silence because the king is asleep. The earth trembled and is still because God has fallen asleep in the flesh, and he has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. God has died in the flesh, and hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent as for a lost sheep, greatly desiring to visit those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death. He has gone to free from sorrow the captives Adam and Eve, he who is both God and the son of Eve, 
the Lord approached them bearing the cross, the weapon that had won him the victory. At the sight of him, Adam, the first man he had created, struck his breast in terror and cried out to everyone, My Lord be with you all, Christ answered him, and with your spirit. He took him by the hand and raised him up, saying, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I am your God, who for your sake have become your Son. Out of love for you and for your descendants, I now, by my own authority, command all who are held in bondage to come forth, all who are in darkness to be enlightened, all who are sleeping to arise. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be held a prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. Rise up, work of my hands, you who were created in my image. Rise up, let us leave this place, for you are in me and I am in you. Together we form only one person, and we cannot be separated. For your sake, I, your God, became your son. I, the Lord, took the form of a slave. I, whose home is above the heavens, descended to the earth and beneath the earth. For your sake, for the sake of man, I became like a man without help, free among the dead. For the sake of you who left a garden, I was betrayed to the Jews in a garden, and I was crucified in a garden. See on my face the spittle I received in order to restore you to the life I once breathed into you. See there the the marks of the blows I received in order to refashion your warped nature in my image. On my back, see the marks of the scourging I endured to remove the burden of sin that weighs upon your back. See my hands, nailed firmly to a tree, for you who once wickedly stretched out your hand to a tree. I slept on the cross, and a sword pierced my side, for you who slept in paradise and brought forth Eve from your side. My side has healed the pain in yours. My sleep will rouse you from your sleep in hell. The sword that pierced me has sheathed the sword that was turned against you. Rise. Let us leave this place. The enemy led you out of the earthly paradise. I will not restore you to that paradise, but I will enthrone you in heaven. I forbade you the tree that was only a symbol of life, but see, I who am life itself am now one with you. I appointed cherubim to guard you as slaves are guarded, but now I make them worship you as God. The throne formed by cherubim awaits you, its bearers swift and eager. The bridal chamber is adorned, the banquet is ready, the eternal dwelling places are prepared, the treasure houses of all good things lie open, the kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you from all eternity. That reading comes from an ancient homily for Holy Saturday. That's all the time we have this week, but join me next week as we talk with Dr. Peter Kreeft about his new book, How to Be Holy. Join me on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Outside the walls is a co-production of St. Michael Radio and Breadbox Media, heard around the world on terrestrial radio, live streaming and podcast. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.